Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. Uh, we are on our second week of our month of comic books that are based around music. Uh, most of, well, no, I was going to say most of them are historical, but this one and next week's books are uh, historical. The other two have nothing to do with history. Uh, well, sort of, but not really. Um, I mean, Archie and Ki- Archie meets Kiss was was what it was. It was um, bad. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I you know, but it's it's not Deadpool Max, so I mean, it's I'm I'm still or Dark Empire. I know. I I did. I, I, yeah. We, we, well, Todd really doesn't have. We need to get him like a, a failure. Maybe, maybe you're just not. True. Oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. Okay. Anyway, as you've heard, there were redeeming qualities about Strange Fruit. It just was very white savory. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I like the places. Uh, people had good intentions. They just. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Uh, but this week we were talking about a book called The Fifth Beetle. Uh, which um, I don't have a copy in front of me. Can someone give me the uh, author. I know the artist is like Andrew C. Robinson, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't know if Todd remembers this, but we met this artist at uh, WonderCon. Or no, Big Big Adventure. Big, yeah, it was Big, Big Adventure. I remember this. Yeah, it's and, Vivek Tiwari. Yeah. So. And I'm sh- oh wait, no, no, that's yeah. I'm sure I'm yeah. just absolutely murdering, murdering that name it. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who actually is like a screenwriter who's done a couple other comics. When I don't know how true it was, it was interesting because the artists, I'm assuming, significant other. Um, I don't know if they're married. I don't know if they're dating. Whatever. He was really bitter about this book. Like he was bitter about how his uh, significant other had been treated on this book. Um, it, it seemed to be, and I don't know how true this is. So I mean, this may be talking hearsay a little bit, but the way it was semi perceived is that the uh, the screenwriter guy, the guy who wrote it, sort of hired you know him to do all the art and then took all the fucking credit. Um, and I think that that was sort of where the bitterness came from. But like, I mean, his name is on the uh, on the book. book. On the book. Um, but. Uh, yeah, anyway, so and the artist's name, Andrew, Andrew Robinson. Robinson. Uh, Kyle look, Baker. And Kyle Baker did a little extra content. Um, but uh, if you're looking for Andrew, sometimes he's listed as Andrew C. Robinson. That's a little easier to find his art. Um, hell of a nice guy, though. I have a print from him, mm-hmm. um, actually, of uh, the Beatles concert on the uh, roof of the Abbey Road Studios, um, which I got from him there, which is very cool. Uh, but speaking of Todd, we have two people and me joining us. Uh, Lena, at the last minute, was not able to join us. We miss you, Lena. Uh, but we have Todd and Adam with us, and every week, his beautifulness that is Adam brings us a cocktail for the week. Uh, so, Adam, what is our cocktail this week? Oh, uh, yeah. So, ours is called Skeletons in the Closet. Uh, so, this is optional, but you could take a, a glass, you could uh, dip it into pineapple or mango juice, rim it with salt, up to you if you like that or not. Uh, in an ice-filled shaker, you're going to add one part pineapple juice, one mm-hmm. part mango juice, one and a half parts of tequila, one part of blue curacao, you're going to shake the shit out of it, and then you're going to add ice to that rimmed glass, or not rimmed glass, and uh, strain into that glass. Nice. Uh, cool. I heard him say rim. I know. A couple times, yeah. That's fitting. Which, I was is, fi- which is fitting because it's a gay guy, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. that's fitting. I'm like, mm, yeah, that's fitting. Uh, okay, uh, so let's jump into drinking games. Uh, Mr. Todd, do you have a drinking game rule? Pill popper. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, every time Brian goes ahead and pops some pills, you should go take a drink. Uh, for the record, that's Brian Epstein. Not 
not me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but to be fair, Brian, you and I both have medication, so. <laughs> true. Lots of it. Uh, my favorite quote, I don't remember where it came from, but my friend Christopher told me, he goes, this may be the happy pills talking, but I'm really optimistic about this. Um, well, mine was going to be what, Ad, uh, what Todd said. Mine other one <laughs> was uh, Howdy Sailor. Uh, every time uh, Brian meets a young gentleman that uh, he has some fun with, take a drink. And uh, Mr. Adam. I so thought you guys were going to take this one, so I had to come up with a backup backup one. Uh, uh, mine is called Toro, Toro. Every time oh, they talk about bullfighting. That's right. Oh, or another backup is Unrequited Love. Mm-hmm. Every time Moxie looks at Brian and goes, Brian, that poor girl. That poor girl. I know I could go elsewhere, but it's not with you. I know. I know. Of course, the question is, was she even real to begin with? Oh, interesting. There's a big line at the end. He's like, who are you talking about? There's no one named Moxie here. I think I'm... Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Well, Adam, you texted me earlier saying you had some thoughts. Thoughts. I do have some that's thoughts. good. Uh, when I get those text messages, it's always like they're either loved it or they fucking hated it. And it's always interesting to find out. So this is the big gender reveal. Adam, <laughs> do you love it or do you hate it? Um, so some of the thoughts I have, I actually want to bring up a little bit later on when we kind of get off the idea of what we're about our thoughts on the book itself. Uh, yeah. There's some themes I, w- I want to talk about. And that's what I have more thoughts about. Oh, uh, before you get started, I just realized we didn't really introduce this book. Uh, the book is about Brian Epstein, who was the Beatles manager uh, for a big part of their career, basically discovered them, essentially took his dad's business and created his own little record label to mm-hmm. promote them and build them up. Uh, but he was also uh, closeted and gay, as if you were gay in the 60s, you had to be closeted. Um, especially in the UK. Especially in the UK. And uh, ended up, uh, unfortunately, having some serious drug problems that I'm sure came along with the stress of being in the closet and, you know, being basically running the biggest band in the world. Um, but, like, he... I mean, there's a quote on it that says by uh, Paul McCartney, who basically said, if there ever was a fifth Beatle, it would have been Brian. Um, so, like, he was an integral member of uh, the Beatles. I think uh, up to the point, like, where he died, I think that's almost where you see George Martin, their producer, become mm-hmm. almost the other fifth Beatle. Uh, so there was, you know, uh, of the four you know, the, there's, like, two other, two or three other people on, on the periphery. Uh, but Brian Epstein is probably one of the big key players in this. And this is sort of a uh, biography of him mainly dealing with his time with the Beatles. Um, did I miss anything in that introduction of the book? Oh, that's pretty much it. I mean, the... it was a very, um, I think it was a very um, idyllic look at his time. The comic is, or my estimation of the it? The comic. <laughs> I mean, it has its dark moments. Anyway, let's, Adam, you have things. Oh, let's go. Yeah. Adam, go, Adam. Well, it'd be interesting, too, because, uh, you know, we, none of us were around back then. We don't know exactly how it happened, and they, yeah. they really do say that Brian Epstein is the whole reason why the Beatles got anywhere. You know, yeah. he covers them at this nightclub. Like, it's pretty much a hole, and I think in the ground, it might have been in the basement, even. It's literally called the Cave Club. The Cave, yeah, or the Cavern. That's what it was, the Cavern. Oh, the Cavern Club, you're right, yes. Yeah. yeah, so they're playing down there, and, you know, Brian Epstein sees them, and he's just like, oh my god, these guys, they could be bigger than Elvis. Like, I, I've got this vision for them. And when he interviews John and all them, they're just kind of like, well, we just like playing music. We're not really interested yeah. in doing much more than that. And he's kind of the one who convinces them. And then according to, you know, the this graphic novel, is like, they wouldn't be where they were today if it wasn't for him. And the interesting thing was, uh, as far as, you know, how much is fiction, how much is reality, was they interviewed the artist, I mean, the, the writer at the end, and he specifically said, it's like, hey, you know, there's some things here, I, there's no way no one could tell what was mm-hmm. said or what was done in this situation. Probably especially when he met Elvis's uh, producer, who was a complete douchebag. The Colonel? The Colonel, oh yeah. my god. Just, you want to hate him the moment you see him. Yeah. Uh, but he said, 
says, you know, everything else pretty much happened. And honestly, I didn't go back and read through the entire history of Brian Epstein to see, you know, mm-hmm. what did or didn't happen. But I can very much assure you that, you know, this this person being gay, this person really pushing the Beatles to get where they are, most likely was true. Uh, as far as if you want to say that this person was the reason why the Beatles became the Beatles, that's probably debatable. Yeah, uh, I mean, they they were a talented band before they did anything else. Now, was he instrumental as far as getting them on the Ed Sullivan show? Probably. Yeah. They even mentioned in the afterward that, you know, Ed Sullivan did indeed interview him about the Beatles using a ventriloquist on me. Yeah. Because yeah. Ed oh. Sullivan was a weird fuck. So that was so. a real thing? Yeah. Ed Sullivan was strange. There was some weird shit. So you got to pass the ventriloquist to get to Ed? That's awesome. I mean, that was well, back Ed in the day the when you could be entertainment and be like, you know, weird as fuck and like you could still be. I wish I could pull that shit off with my employees. Oh, yeah, right. That would just be it. <laughs> it's like, it's time to do your review. You're yeah. going to do the review with a little hands like, over here. I'm a nice guy, but unfortunately, <laughs> my puppet thinks you've been fucking up. So. <laughs> Mr. Sticky over here doesn't like you. I think you're a great guy, but Mr. Sticky yeah. says you suck. Yeah. And it's literally like one of yeah. the little things from Blair Witch. You know, it's like oh, yeah. stick figures. I think it should be right, like. Right, because you're going through this, and I'm like, I don't know. Ed's a busy guy. I'll try to bring this up, but I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like, this and then is it's fucking added, weird. And you're like, dude, is this real? Is, that, is this a drug trip I'm seeing? What is this real? Yeah. But I mean, here's a. Th- I mean, I will just from my experience, you hear all sorts of weird fucking shit about like, like, if this, I've heard a few stories from like, I work with a lot of old roadies and they have stories sure. from like the 70s and 80s. Um, and I'm sure going back beyond that, it was probably weird. Um, and Adam, before I let you continue, one thought I have on your, the idea that like, uh, cause like the Colonel is sort of like the asshole manager that you sort of expect. And Brian is sort of portrayed as this nice, mm-hmm. lovable guy. I would say that I think that that portrayal is probably accurate because here's the thing. If he was an asshole, there are four guys there who would be more than happy to drop him. You know what I mean? Like with Elvis, he feels alone. The Colonel can probably run his life. But with four guys, eventually, if one of them's unhappy with him, they're going to bring something up. And with them all having this secret on him, that they very easily could drop him. The fact they held on to him as their manager for as long as they did, I think proves how likable of a guy at least he was and how he really seemed to be what you would hope managers would be. It was like someone who genuinely had the band's best interest at heart. Yes, he was making some money, but he wasn't like stealing all the money and doing all stuff. Like he was trying to help the band as best he possibly could, I think. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, going back to some of the, especially that kind of part of it, I'm sure when this came out, the Beatles, well, Paul and uh, Ringo, I'm sure, were made aware of this. Mm -hmm. And we didn't hear any kind of outcry from them as far as like, oh, well, this is all bullshit. Yeah, because this is a New York Times bestseller and uh, the rights have been sold for a a TV series, which has been in development hell for a couple years now. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, but I mean, like the fact that Paul would say he was the fifth Beatle means that, yes, they probably did have that really, really close knit friendship and that he Mm -hmm. really was looking out for them, which goes back to, you know, the the writers thing about, hey, you know, a lot of the stuff was real. I just don't know for sure if, you know, the, and I, I, again, I didn't go back and research Elvis as a manager, so he could have been a complete dickwad, no, I know, in a closet. The, the stories are that he was a as well. asshole. Uh, okay, yeah. so. Closet homosexual, I don't, know, he, I don't know, but asshole, yeah, there's definitely stories of the colonel. Yeah, I couldn't tell if he was a homosexual or if he was, he had some knowledge that Brian Epstein was and was using that kind of as a ploy against him. That's what uh, I took it as, was, was the second mm-hmm. one, was that he yeah. was sort of, he was enough of an asshole, he was like, I have dirt on you, and so therefore I have a way to manipulate you. Um, yeah. But yeah, it didn't 
really work out very well. So no, uh, but no, I mean it's a it's a really interesting story. And if you go and read my my uh, kind of little his story behind why I chose the drink I did, I do touch on that. Uh, but no, like it was again the big thing is no one knew who this guy was. You know, mm-hmm. even hearing you know Paul McCartney say that back in the nineties, I I didn't know who he was. I'd never heard of him before. Mm-hmm. I just knew going into this that he was their manager who was very instrumental in getting them where they need to go. Uh, but no, it, it's it's a really fascinating story. And again, we don't know how much is true, how much is is made up. I mean, apparently most of it's true. But I mean, as far as the story itself goes, it's it's definitely something that would be worth checking out. I mean, the art's beautiful. Everything about it's great. Uh, it presents a very accurate picture of what it was like to be a homosexual back in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. especially in the UK, where it's like, well, I think he even says like, you know, you get taken to jail, then you get put in a hospital where they'll give you drugs to make you not gay kind of mm-hmm. thing. Or, ca- uh, or chemical castration was a chemical thing. Chemical castration, yeah. which will tie into my thing we're going to want to talk about after we discuss the book. Okay. Some of the mm-hmm. themes I want to bring into. But no, I mean, I I had a great, I mean, I wouldn't say I had a great time with it because the subject matter in the end is very depressing, but it's yeah. definitely something I would recommend reading. So. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, I think it's a well-written book. Um, I, I fucking love the art. The style of it, um, I just like his his style of drawing. I've, I've kind of done um, a little bit of like internet stalking um, on the artist and looked at his other work. Um, and I just, I like his art style, but I also think like this just, um, it's a very evocative um, book. Like it really kind of um, gives you sort of that sense of um, the time and place and all that kind of stuff. And like, I don't know, it, it's fun and it's interesting and it feels very alive and part of the time. Like, and I was like a hardcore Beatles fan for a few years when mm-hmm. like I was in junior high, like big old fucking nerd of it. Like watched, like watched every documentary, watched every, everything. So like I was aware of Brian Epstein um, as like he was their manager and was instrumental, but the details I never really knew. Um, so like, I really enjoyed a lot of that from this. Uh, Todd, what are your thoughts? So watching it, let's touch on the art while you're going there is mm-hmm. um, what I like so well is like talk about famous famous faces. The four Beatles yeah. is they were all recognizable for who they were, mm-hmm. but it did not cross into caricature territory. And he was able to He's give them really... personality and expression, which I, I, yeah, yes. as you mentioned that, that's really impressive if you think about it. Um, so yeah. that was really good for me. There was two standout scenes in this book that I'm like, all right. I'm digging this. Is one is they go to meet Epstein's like, you're late. And he's like, I'm the leader of the band. I'm never late. Mm-hmm. Next guy, George, walks in. I'm late. I'm like, I'm George. I'm not late. Yeah. It's like, let's go. And Paul's washing himself. So like, oh, he's going to be really late. He's like, he won't be late, but he'll be clean. Paul walks <laughs> in with a towel. It's like, yo, I'm not late. I'm yeah. Paul. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I like these guys. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very um, uh, Hard Day's Night-ish of, of them it, there. Is that you know. a great thing? And to this whole thing, and I'm chewing on this is the my favorite sequence in the whole book is they're on the beach in Spain and you've got John and Brian checking out the different guys and John's trying to figure out which guys that Brian Epstein likes. He's like, you like him? Nah. You like him? No. He's like, him. oh, he's classical. He's beautiful. He's like, yeah, all right, I see that. Mm-hmm. And then John's like, you think I'm cute? And Brian's like, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And Brian's like, huh, too bad I'm not queer. <laughs> and then, then the next scene, it's just them continuing to enjoy the sunset. Yeah. And I loved it. But now sitting on and trying to chew is um, I guess I'm still trying to figure out and talking with others about this, Brian, one of them is, Mm -hmm. was that interaction true of the time or was this a little, is this some modern day lens being put on back then? A little bit. Um, Is he just that chill with it? I have a theory um, Uh and this is me talking out of my ass. So I, 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 right. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, but so my theory is, is that um, because I've been listening to a lot of um, like a, there was a podcast I'm listening to that's a lot of rock and roll history, and it's specifically they're oriented on, on the punk rock movement. And a lot right. of punk rock has been very intermixed with um, like gay culture. 
um, or even like uh, LGBT in general. Like, um, like there's especially like the punk movement. There's a lot of interconnection between that. And I think like looking at uh, just the arts in general, I think that people who are drawn to that world are sort of more open to all sorts of things. And I would argue that that I think John probably was just totally fine. I think they knew exactly what was going on with Brian, and they're like, okay, cool, whatever. I think that you know, I think that they were artists. I think they're progressive. I think that they you know felt that the need was you know there to be open. Uh, And you know, I I I I would argue that I think it might have actually happened that way or something similar to that. That like that they were aware that he was gay and that he might have thought they were cute and they're like, okay, fine, not a big deal. Because I I I will say that sequence is the best part of the whole book. While they're going back and forth, it's like Mm -hmm. what's the favorite part? It's like oh, this was my favorite part right here. Yeah, and it's um it did feel I mean it felt genuine and it was cute and they were like just checking things out and they were just spending time together and the ability for the other one to say oh I recognize that you know here's something I'm not queer but I can I get yeah. that. That's fine, right? And so, I, it just feels very modern for that time frame, but... It does I, feel modern, and I'm yeah. going, is that too modern? I mean, or is that how it was? I mean, um, so John's not around. Here's Brian's my, not yeah. around. My other thought is this, because um, I, I I watch a lot of weird documentaries now that I think about it. Um, I was watching a documentary about uh, the film industry, and specifically they're talking about like the Hayes Code and stuff like that, and I think mm-hmm. we see a lot of history based on, because of, you know, we weren't born and alive in the 60s, we view a lot of that through the media in which we saw, and that was put mm-hmm. through a lens of censorship to a certain extent. I think people have been more open um, in the past. In the past, I think that it was the Puritan um, sort of uh, censoring of a lot of these things that I think actually probably put down a lot of those movements behind in years. You know, I mean, just gen- the general puritanical sort of ideas um, pushed through culture. I think makes a lot more of this. I mean, that's where a taboo comes from because it's a cultural thing, not because it's anything actually wrong. You know what I mean? Like that's sure. people, uh, you know, talking that way. So I think that. Um, I think that there's probably always been people. I mean, there's, there's always been people who um, were gay throughout all of history, and I'm sure there've always there been were. Them. I know, and there there's always were. been straight people. Well, the funny thing is, my sweet mother. I didn't realize she was doing this. Um, she has this cutting board that she used to use all the time, and it had a Ziggy cartoon painted onto it. And she had a, a friend from work who I can't remember how she described it, but I later realized that he was gay. But I like the way she sort of like shared it, like she was kind of hiding it from me as a kid. But I was like, yeah, but like, but my mom was like, he was great. You know what I mean? Like, and didn't care. My mom's a sweet Mormon mother, but she's also very open and chill in general. But like that was the 80s, you know what I mean? Or the 70s, you know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. wasn't too far removed from this. And if my, you know, sweet mom, you know, born and raised on a farm in Utah, can know a gay guy and be like, yeah, okay, cool. I don't see John Lennon, you know, 10 years earlier than that being that far removed from that thought process, you know? Sure. Of like, yeah, cool, well, whatever. And if we, if we think about it, you know, this book ends around what, 1964 or 5? It's early, yeah. Because the Beatles broke up in like 68 or something like that. They, they really, they put out a fuck ton of stuff, but they weren't together yeah, for that did. long of a time. Like they weren't even together for like a decade, I don't think. Yeah, because this this ends right after the release of uh, Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just say sixty six for the fun of it. I, I don't have that that page of information. Well, in you talk and I will look up dates. Okay, you do that. But Stonewall happened in sixty nine. Oh yeah. And Stonewall's looked at as the kind of the birth of the LGBT movement. Yeah. And, and there's and we can talk about you know daughters of the Machinine, however you say the word. Like that was back in the fifties. But if you think of the sixties and we think, okay, now we're launching the hippie movement. You know, free love, mm-hmm. free everything else. Do we really think that people in that day and age, if it was all about free love and caring about each other, this and that, would have been that opposed to gay people? And, you know, we can say they're the minority and then, you know, Vietnam came along and kind of tried to squash all that and to a point it right. did. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. But, you know, it, it, we're looking at this time period where we had the hippies and then we had Stonewall. So maybe the fact that John was okay with it was cool. I mean, because yeah. you got this person who I'm sure he looked up to as someone who was like, hey, you really helped us with this. You helped launch everything we 
have. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of all before it went to their heads, before the, you know, the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. And he had to explain his thing behind that because mm-hmm. Americana got pissed off. But we're looking at a lot of times before the Beatles were known as like the Beatles. Like, yeah, they were big. Yeah, they were popular, but they weren't of like legend status. Not yet then. Right. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. So you've got people who are still very thankful for what this person's done for them and their heads haven't gotten that big that they think they're more important than everyone else. And, you know, maybe, maybe he could have been cool with it. I mean, I don't know. This is one of those things where this might have happened this way. This might not have. And as Todd said, that is a very modern rose tinted lens to look at this through, but it could have, could have. And, and I would like to think that it did. Same here. I would love to think that, but who knows? But yeah, I mean, who knows? But I mean, it's love, but it's, um, and the book ends and it's, um, not explicit that, I mean, it shows pills, but he just kind of fell asleep, but it wasn't, um, super graphic. Yeah. About how he died. Um, okay. Yeah. Right. So, and uh, then it, the way it also kind of goes is like, and then the Beatles went to India after he died and they only lasted two more years. So it kind of gives the impression that in a lot of ways, Epstein was the um, glue on the outside that helped keep them together. And without I, I him, think, I think that definitely was probably part of the case. I think that they're, sure. I mean, they don't necessarily go into the internal, they sort of hinted the internal squabbling between them a little bit, but I'm sure that he had sure. a lot to do with sort of quelling that. Uh, just for reference, uh, so um, uh, this probably ended in about 67 um, is where Sgt. Mm-hmm. was released. Uh, the Beatles really, as we know them, and Beatlemania and the touring, uh, Beatlemania basically starts in 63 and they break up in 70. So um, they formed in 60. So really they were together for a decade, um, almost exactly. So it's like, it's just interesting. There's like, So we've had more Taylor Swift than yes. yeah. was the We've best. had more Metallica than we've had Beatles. Dude, Metallica's at like, what, almost 40 years now? Yeah. They formed in like 81. We're yeah. at 40 years of Metallica. Yeah. Metallica so, lasted four times as long as the Beatles. That's interesting, isn't it? So pulling up Epstein's thing that, that uh, how he died was that he, you know, they've been pushing himself hard to use amphetamines for that. And so the pill he was taking that actually killed him was Carbitrol and it was a sleeping pill. So what he mm-hmm. was taking every night to help him fall asleep was then accentuated by the alcohol he'd been drinking, which is why it's very yeah. important that every single time he saw a doctor, the doctor was like, well, what else Don't are you taking with this? Take yeah. Don't else. do this. Don't so take anything else. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That explains why, you know, how, how he died in the fact. It was probably an accidental overdose. He just... It's actually ruled accidental. Drank. I just looked yeah. it up. It, it was actually ruled as an accidental overdose. So so this is a bit like propofol with MJ? Yeah. Ex- I mean, except for, I don't think his doctors were liable in this case because he wasn't telling them he was on other things. Whereas in MJ, mm. there there was someone who was liable because they knew all the other yeah. shit that he was on and then they still overdosed him. So uh. in theory, yes, but in legal sense, no. There's my dad coming out right there. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so no, by all means, but it's, it's an interesting thing to watch and it's, um, what was nice is the Beatles are, I mean, talk about being in the zeitgeist and so familiar and seeing them from a different light before they were the Beatles and yet you see all of this charm and charisma mm-hmm. oozing yeah. from every single one of them. And but that's what made them stars, nice little, though, you know? That's exactly what made them stars yeah. and it was Epstein that goes, clean up your language, let's make it look good, let's do this and it's like, and this will sell it and it's like, I'm doing buying lunch boxes and dolls. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, dude, it's gonna be great. Yeah. And even talking is like, his old man's like, go to your competitor and buy a bunch of records. And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. Fine. And it was all cute, but I mean, he's the guy that made it happen. I mean, yeah. if it wasn't for Epstein, would the Beatles would not be who we know them when they are today? No, they'd be a band that played in a, a, a bar for a little while, and then they probably would get real jobs. I mean, the other thing, too, is right. I think this invokes a little bit um, uh, that I think is interesting. Is like, because of the Beatles, I think of Liverpool as a glamorous city, and it's fucking not. It's basically like the no. Cleveland of England. You know what I mean? Yes. I think that's, so it's like, I think you're like being nice. People, it's like when people think of Hollywood. Oh, it's 
glitzy and glamoury. No, no, Hollywood's a shithole. Yeah, Hollywood's a fucking <laughs> shithole. All the good stuff's in like Glendale. Burbank. Burbank, <laughs> Glendale, some in Beverly Hills, Studio City. Yeah, Hollywood is a fucking shithole. Like, Hollywood's fun until 8 p.m. when the sun goes down. And yeah, and the crackheads come out. Oh, scary yes. shit. Yeah. I guess Jimmy Kimmel's in Hollywood. Yeah, he's across the street. I mean, that area is okay because uh, that's a very touristy area, but you don't want to go walking down Hollywood Boulevard or Sunset. Last time I went through and I'm like, wow, urine. It's a really strong smell here. Oh, yeah. It smells like New York in that area, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not so, right uh, now, but normally. Hollywood and Vine was the place I accidentally bought drugs. Woo! Oh, yeah? It was I think there's actually accident. a Starbucks on the corner of Hollywood and Vine that I hung out at one time. So what happened was we used to go, and I think I've told the story. I tell it in real life all the time. Um, there was a little club across the street from the Chinese theater. And on Sunday nights, they would do 80s nights. So we would go there and have fun. And I remember one night, very, very particular, I was a designated driver. So Isn't the Roosevelt across like, the street? No, the Roosevelt's down the street a little bit more. Down the street a little bit, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's not like directly across, but it was like right in that same area. Okay. But we parked at a parking garage, like God knows how far down. So we're walking. I was like, again, my friends are stumbling behind me. I'm the one walking to get to the car. And there's this homeless dude on the, on the corner asking for change. So I reach my pocket. I happen to have some change. So I just gave him a handful, whatever I had. I don't know, maybe two bucks worth. And he throws trash at me and runs off. And I was like, dude, what? The, what? Okay. So I go down to pick up the trash to throw it away. And I don't know much about these kind of drugs because I never did them. Mm-hmm. But there's a little bag, a little dime bag full of some kind of like crystal powder, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming was speed, meth, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so I don't know much about this, but I'm pretty sure this is worth more than like the two bucks I just gave you. So I just picked mm-hmm. it up and threw it away. But that is the story of when I accidentally bought either speed or meth. <laughs> Congratulations. Nice. Welcome Congratulations. to Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. So when everyone's like, oh, it's so glamorous. I'm like, let me tell you about when I accidentally bought meth. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. It's not cueing the hooker gun. No, it's not. No, that's no, a much better story. <laughs> Yeah, that one's impressive. Uh, yeah, my my I think my best story I have is some of my uh, uh, stories of uh, Dolan's. I actually told one of those stories to somebody today. Uh, but anyway, enough of that bullshit. Right. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, Adam, you had some other things that you wanted to bring up. Yeah, let's talk so about this it. actually ended up being kind of timely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as we record this, it's Black History Month, and there was a charter school in Utah. And Todd, you might know more about this since you have people who work in the uh, oh, education boy, business. Do I? Yeah. So charter school that for whatever reason sent home a thing saying do you want to let your children opt out of black history month curriculum and again i may be wrong on this it's just kind of what i've I read nope, in the stories this happened yep so some parents said yes we want to opt out and so re- looking at that and then the, the, the school eventually retracted it once it got you know big big news uh and said well no they have to take part of this unfortunately made no, it to the daily show by the made way. it to the daily show it made it everywhere big yeah. news in utah and i saw the headline and i couldn't i on facebook and i couldn't help myself i went and looked at the comments. Oh, no. Which you don't do. And two, I didn't reply to any of them because I could have just destroyed people, but that's not my thing. I don't argue on Facebook because that's stupid. But we had all these people, all white people, by the way, and probably all in their 50s and 60s with Trump banners and American flag. When did the idea of having an American flag as your photo on Facebook make you a racist? Because that's kind of happened recently. It's a, uh, it's a specific Trumpism thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at least from a Californian you, liberal perspective, for quite a while, it felt just awkward to see an American flag. Um, after the recent inauguration, it's felt a little bit better, but it's still like one of those things where it's like a little like, eh, but well, yeah. see, I never thought about that, but a buddy of mine who I'm not going to 
a name here. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't listen, but just in case, uh, you know, he made this point a couple months ago. He's like, mm-hmm. and, he, and he's he's a veteran. He served. He's mm-hmm. you know he he obviously supports the country. Uh, he's like he made that point. When did it become the fact that if you have an American flag as your profile or as a picture somewhere in your Facebook, you're a racist? And I was like, I can't really argue with that. That's kind of what I've seen. Yeah. But so these people are going on there and they're like, well, why are we teaching Black History Month? We're all Americans. You know, why are we doing this? Because you know, race shouldn't matter. And as we discussed, you know, last month or two months ago during Black History Month, you know, race shouldn't matter. But guess mm-hmm. what? It does. It does. It yeah. makes a huge difference. And there's a reason why we teach our kids and teach people in general, like, hey, these are people of color, black people who either one contributed to what we've done, or these are the horrible things that were done to them we need to make amends for and not do anymore. And especially in the age of you know, George Floyd and, and Breonna Taylor and everything else that's been going on, there's a reason why these stories are important. Which brings me back to this story is because we have the same thing that happens with LGBT people during LGBT Pride Month or whether or not we want to discuss in history class that this person was a member of the queer community in some way, shape, or form. And the whole time watching this, I kept on going back to Alan Turing, mm-hmm. who, you know, another person who was in the UK closer mm-hmm. to this time. It was more like the 40s and early 50s. He was uh, mainly World War II. Mainly World War II. And yeah. he's he's the one who cracked the Enigma Code, mm-hmm. who basically saved thousands upon thousands of lives, and not more, in World War II. He's the father of modern computing. And most people all only know him from the name the Turing test, which is a, a AI test you give a machine to see if it's a real, if it's an AI or if it's if it's a machine. And he also was a homosexual. It was outlawed in the UK. He was arrested for indecency, was chemically castrated, and eventually killed himself because of that. Mm-hmm. But if anyone these days even knows that he exists, which the Imitation Game movie kind of helped that a bit, mm-hmm. people don't t- talk about the fact he was gay. I didn't know he was gay, and I knew what the Turing test was. I'd heard of Alan Turing, the father of modern computers. I had no clue until mm-hmm. I looked it up or, or saw the movie. The reason why it's important we talk about these things is because his life was cut short due to the society around him who would not accept him for who he was. And he only received a pardon for his crimes from the Queen like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Until then, he was branded a whatever they call UK, the felon, whatever you want to say. Uh, it's indecency. Because uh, that's the same thing Oscar Wilde um, was put on trial for. Yeah. I've done that play a couple times. Yeah. So he, to this day, and all everything we have now for computers, he started. And the World War II ending the way it did to where people didn't lose their lives are because of him. And the fact that, yes, he was a homosexual who killed himself because of that is very mm-hmm. important. Because we would still, not today probably, but what could he have accomplished if he had lived longer? Mm-hmm. Right. And then we look at this with, with you know, Brian Epstein is that, you know, a lot of the pills he was taking, he was given by a doctor to keep him from being gay. Mm-hmm. Like, if you take a bunch of these, it'll help with your homosexual tendencies or your lewd lifestyle kind of thing. And we could argue the fact that, you know, Brian Epstein worked himself to death or that, uh, you know, he, he overdosed, you know, either which way. But the fact of the matter is that, yes, this dude was gay and pushed the Beatles to be the, the probably one of the most influential Beatles. bands ever. I mean, mm-hmm. every single we, we can talk about, you know, Michael Jackson, The Clash, The Beatles, they're up there as far as influential people. But The Beatles definitely changed the world as far as, you know, being bigger than they Elvis. Won. They, mm-hmm. they won. Yeah. They did it. They won. But we have people who want to be like, oh, well, we can't talk about the fact this person was gay because it doesn't matter. It does fucking matter. Yes. It well, changed. Go ahead. Okay. I, I, need to, I need to phrase this in a very specific way. I think in a perfect world, it doesn't matter. But in the world we are in now, those things definitely matter because that representation helps people in that same situation. I feel the same way about like, like in, in a perfect world, I would love for it not to matter the, the color of someone's skin, but because of right. the we, we talked have, about that, yeah. Yeah, because of the culture we have, it's been, you know, limited and not exposed. And so I think that now is the important time to actually get all that information out there and say, you know, and give people, you know, these icons and this representation that they deserve um, so that hopefully we do get 
society to a point in time where it truly doesn't matter. But anyway, to your point. No, and again, that that's the case. It, mm-hmm. You know, as I mentioned earlier, it shouldn't matter the color of your skin, but it does. And we mm-hmm. don't live in a society that lets that allows that to happen. Yeah. But you know, we talk about representation and everything else. Like you know, the people need to know. Hey, this guy was gay. Look what he did. Because mm-hmm. you're going to find some little kid or some teenager in Podunk, Wyoming, who's gay and being ostracized for it and being beaten up like Brian Epstein was in the very opening mm-hmm. pages of this book. Yeah. Who's like, well, you know what? I'm gay. I'm just a faggot. I've got no mm-hmm. hope, and I can't. I can't become anyone. All of a sudden, yeah. learning like, hey, this dude who was behind the most the most influential, biggest band in the world was gay, and look what he did. Yeah. Why wouldn't that mean that? Hey, if this person can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And that's why it's important to be like, hey, this is what happened. This is our history. These are the people who made up our history and learn from it. Like, yeah, yeah. This, everything that happened to this dude, Alan Turing, was horrible. It was horrific. Should never have happened, but it did. We've moved past it. And even in the afterward, they talked about, hey, the, uh, I, it wasn't the writer. It was someone else was like, hey, you know, I grew up around the same time. I was worried about this, but now I was able to get legally married to the man I love for 37 years. Mm-hmm. It goes back to if we forget our history, we're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. And that's why that's important to bring up. And, and reading this, the whole thing that kept popping in my head was the thing with Utah where like, hey, we can opt out of, uh, you know, Black History Month. And it just, it, it pissed me off because it's like, we're doing this with everything. We're whitewashing and we're straightwashing our whole entire culture. So we look pretty and we're not admitting the fact that, guess what? We did some fucked up things. We need to deal with that. And also, these are some amazing people who just happen to be different than everyone else who did fucking amazing things. So maybe learn from them and maybe inspire new generations to do the same. I think it's a point where just in general, and I think society's always been a little bit this way, but I think specifically now it's worse, is that it's it's everyone wants everything to be black and white and people are not comfortable with the shades of gray that things really are, you know? And like to admit uh, or to teach some of these things, you have to admit that we did some fucked up shit. Um, and, you know, the weeds grow, you know? And what's interesting with this, um, I won't go in, we can talk more about the situation in Utah a bit more in mm-hmm. depth later, but it's um, just being, there are some, unfortunately, there were even elements of gray there, and the principal that did that it happens to be a person of color. Oh, really? And he's uh, Asian, I believe, yes? Uh, Asian. So this is an Asian thing, but we'll talk about more of that later. And it was, um, the, the principle was wrong. Let's be very clear about this, <laughs> but there is, um, pressures were applied in interesting ways. So, um, but neither here nor there. So, but the, um, what's great about this book is it sheds light on someone I wasn't aware of. And it, um, had someone that you kind of got to know their flair and who saw greatness, this potential greatness in others and, um, died at 32. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you take a look at the eight of us. I mean, collectively, we've lived 25 years longer yeah. than this guy did. That's some weird math, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? 24, 25 years longer, right? I'm not arguing with your point. I just think it's a weird way of making it. But anyway. <laughs> it's, no. um, right. And the Beatles were young, too. I mean, they were young as going and thing here. And yeah. it's, um, we're, we're not that age anymore. And it's... It was a, um, I really enjoyed it. It became, it was not a preachy book. Yeah. This book could have been preachy. Yeah. It was not a preachy book, but it was thoroughly entertaining. And the Beatles themselves were the supporting cast of this guy in support of it. Mm-hmm. And I think the um, the art, we love the art, but I will say it was some very deft writing that was yeah. done quite well. Because this could have gone all sorts of different ways and go, let's rehash the movies that they did. Let's do this. Let's do this. But 
mm-hmm. it wasn't about Ringo, Paul, George, yeah. right? And John. It was about Brian and it uh, kept enough of them in to understand, well, what did the Beatles see in this guy? And what did the guy see in the Beatles? And why is this guy cool? And it's it just did a great job. I mean, you can take a look at the villain in this character. It's it's not even himself, right? It is a bit of himself, but it's not himself. But it's the um, asshole of the colonel. It's like, oh, you're this way? Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Thank you. Go on. And yet, um, he ended himself purposely or not. But it's um, this is a really sweet, great book. And it deserves all the accolades it gets. And it's great. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Uh, Adam, you have any more thoughts to add on to that? Uh, as we're talking about that, you brought up the art again. And maybe oh. it just my reading the book, I did not like the part. That's actually my one detracting point of the book where they went on their Philippine tour yeah, and that's, they that's turned the it into that's like by a the other artist. wackety schmackety doo. Yeah, yeah I just I didn't like that. That was like the one thing I was like, you took what was great about the book was the story of this guy's life and Todd, like you said, it was the, the Beatles were the supporting characters and then you flipped it on its head and turned it into like a comedy routine. Mm-hmm. I, halfway, if, if I had a soundtrack to go with this, it would have been the Benny Hill theme playing the whole time <laughs> those pages were going past. And it was a very small part of the book so, you know, it's a, it's sure. a small detracting factor. Uh, and maybe that was the whole point to be like, hey, this is what happens when they don't listen and they do their own thing. But that it just felt so tonally different than what the book was. I just didn't think it fit. I think you could have told that part of it a lot better and a lot differently. Mm-hmm. That would have kept the focus on where it belonged, which was honestly the relationship between Epstein and the, and the Beatles. Like it was, yeah. you know, never giving up on each other, always supporting each other. And then towards the end when, you know, John gets the big head and goes off and all that fun stuff. But that was, that was the one thing that stuck out with me is like, oh, I don't know why this is here. And I really wish it wasn't. Yeah. I, I think that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a good answer for you, but I, I, it didn't bother me as much. Um, but obviously, yeah, the art was not as polished. Um, I think it was, it's a deliberate choice to a certain extent, but yeah. Well, I, I agree it was deliberate. I just not, I'm not sure the point behind it. And if I, maybe if I understood that, I would have been fine with it, but I didn't get that from it. So. You know what that art style actually really looks like to me is uh, Bagley, who actually is the political cartoonist for the Salt Lake Tribune or the Desert. Oh, Tribune. yeah, yeah, it does kind of. Yeah, like that's, it's, it looks like sort of his work, honestly, in my head, at least. I'm like, oh, I can see this. Yes. Very compared. It also reminded me of um, My Neighbor, the Yamadas from Studio Ghibli. Have you guys ever seen that? No, I haven't. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Is it Yamadas or My Neighbor Totoro? No, the Yamadas. Okay. My neighbor. Yeah. Totoro I've seen, yes. Another really sweet book, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, movie. Totoro's a movie. Or Totoro. Who knows, right? Yeah. I, I'm sure I said it wrong and all the weebs are going to go out there and yell at me, so. <laughs> That's how it goes. Just don't read the comments and life's better. Sure. Uh, cool. Uh, any other thoughts? Yep. Yep. No. I, I yep. was on a soapbox for half that, so I, I think I've said my piece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, yeah. I think that's. Uh, I think that's a good place to go. Let's uh, let's do some grades on this sucker. Uh, Mr. Adam, I would give it an A. I uh, I loved it. I think it was an amazing story. Some of it may have been fake. Some may not. But I, I do believe the basic relationship and how this person really moved their career forward was fantastic. And you also had this really tragic story of a guy who was stuck in an age where being his authentic self wasn't allowed and for all we know those pills he was taking that helped him sleep because he pushed himself so hard or because it was trying to keep him from being gay uh, was one of the reasons why he died and mm-hmm. you throw the alcohol in there and someone who's been depressed and drank way too much alcohol than I should have I, I can identify with that uh, mm-hmm. and it, it's just it's a wonderful snapshot of that time in both history and geography that explains you know hey this is what was going on this is what was different about things and here's how this again the most influential band ever that we've seen came about and here's the person no one knew about and 
the title of the book and what Paul McCartney said was this was the fifth Beatles. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. Uh, Mr. Todd. I give it an A minus. Okay. I thought it was a great book. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think I'm also going to give it an A. I think that that sort of gray area I was sort of discussing that people aren't necessarily good of like the good and the bad I think is all represented in here and I think it gives a pretty good portrait of, uh, of someone um, you know without being either too harsh or too glowing. Uh, so yeah. So I really really liked it. Um, cool. So next week we are going to be reading uh, Bowie which uh, is by All Red who did Mad Men who is also uh, a Mormon writer I found out. Uh, yeah it's uh, Bowie, Stardust, Ray Guns and Moon Age Daydreams uh, by Michael Allred. I think he wrote and illustri- or illustrated it and then it's um, uh, oh him, uh, Steve Horton and uh, Mike Allred wrote it. Um, oh the way they do it is weird. They do it as screenplay by uh, the coloring was Laura Allred uh, directed by Michael Allred edited by Mar- yeah so colors by Hot Hunt. Yeah weird. Anyway. Oh but the forward's by Neil Gaiman. Um, anyway so yeah so we're talking about Bowie next week. Um, well, with the last name of Allred, I'm not too surprised they're Mormon because that's one of the big names up here in Utah. That's true. Well, I mean, I know he's Mormon because he did the Book of Mormon uh, comic book version, which I've never read, but my shrink had. Um, and that's how I, I slightly how I became aware of this book in a weird roundabout way, which is sort of interesting. Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, so we'll be reading that next week. And then the week after, we'll be finishing up our month of uh, music with a Phonogram from uh, the same creative team that did <laughs> The Wicked and the Divine, which we um, all love so much. We'll see if this one uh, sticks with that. So, I mean, it's an earlier work, so we'll see if uh, we're still as much fans of that. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, I hope so. Um, yeah. I read it. I liked it. Hopefully it's not another Archie meets Kiss. But uh, we shall see. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you all later. Bye! Bye! Like, your mouth was open, Todd, but you weren't saying a damn thing. Like, you started, and then you just, like, you just petered off. Left poor Adam out there all alone. I mean, petering off with my mouth open is a good thing, so. There you go. <laughs> Gotta keep him satisfied.